Well, listen, while they're headed out today, I'm just going to take a minute and introduce who is sharing with us. This season, this summer, we are doing a series called Reflections of God's Faithfulness. And the Reflections of God's Faithfulness is really just a reminder of all of the faithfulness that we have seen God do. How many of you can be honest and say you've seen the faithfulness of God in your life? Yes? Amen? You know, this week I was with a group of people and we were praying and I said that my prayer was, God, I pray for the roof. I don't know if it shows in the camera, so I don't know if you can see it online, but I prayed for the roof. And my prayer was, as I said, God, you have been faithful to take care of some of the most minute details of my life. And I know they're important to you. Your faithfulness has always shown itself to be true. And I know that's true for each and every one of us sitting here today. And so listen, today we have the privilege of getting to hear from Miss Lori Taylor and um, Pastor Lori Taylor. She is ordained, Pastor Lori Taylor. And she's going to come and share with us today. And I just really want you to lean in. Over these weeks, I really hope that God is encouraging your heart and reminding you and stirring up that joy that says, you know what? God is faithful and he is good. So y'all give your attention and your focus to Miss Lori this morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, you can hear me? Okay, good. I'd be a whole lot more comfortable if y'all would just come around here and we would sit down with a book and we would have like story time. That would be a lot more comfortable. Uh, I'm going to start out this morning reading a scripture from Isaiah 5, 20 through 21. And then I'm going to get into why we're going down this path. This says, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. Tell me, tell me what, and and I would love to have like interaction. That would be great. Tell me what that brings to mind. Every newscast you've ever seen in the last 10 years, right? Any radio show you've ever heard. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. This was a prophecy by the prophet, prophet Isaiah to the children of Israel in the fifth chapter of Isaiah. And then when we go into the sixth chapter of Isaiah, we see that this prophet has an open vision. And the chapter starts out, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and mighty and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And it talks about the fact that there were angels flying around the throne, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it was just this overwhelming experience for this man, Isaiah. And all of a sudden, he had a realization, and he said, oh, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Even though he was ordained of God and fulfilling an office and doing what he was supposed to do faithfully, he was a man of unclean lips. And just then, God sent an angel to bring a a coal from the altar and touched his lips and said, your lips are clean now. And he was like, oh. And then God said, 
I'm going to need somebody to go talk to these people who will go for me. And Isaiah said, pick me, pick me, pick me. And God said the next scripture that we're going to read. And um, it's in the message version, I think, up there. But I'm going to read it out of a Greek version. And it says, and he said, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Now, the first thing that I want to point out there is the word turn literally means to do a 180, to turn completely around, to change your position. The title of what I'm speaking about today is, Do You Want to Know a Secret? And every time I say that, I want to sing it. Do you want to know a secret? Like, like, do you want to build a snowman? (laughs) So I hope I haven't put that in your heads, but I probably did. And then I've got the words position, perception, and peace. First of all, we're talking about position. And God says, "If if you will turn, if you will turn your focus away from where your eyes don't work and your ears don't work and your understanding is all askew, then I could heal you. And the word heal there is a verb, and it's rapha in the Hebrew. Anybody heard of rapha? You heard of Jehovah Rapha, one of the names of God? That is God our healer, and it is such a complete word that English does not do it justice. It is healing of the body, of the mind, of the soul, of the situation, of the heart, of the emotions, of everything. And so what God is saying here to the children of Israel, and we're going to find out that this scripture has been brought forward over and over again, is that if you will position yourself properly, I just want to be in the position to be able to put you whole, to make you whole completely and restore you. So as I said, this scripture is not just in the Old Testament in Isaiah. It's also in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Paul in the book of Acts quotes it to the people that he's talking to as well. So Paul is seeing that that same situation where these people are clearly being told clearly have available to them the information that they need in order to turn and be healed, but they don't have eyes to see or ears to hear or hearts to understand. And then in the Gospels, Jesus talks about the same thing in conjunction with the parables. And we're going to look at a few of of those parables and see if we can kind of pick those apart and find out, have have a better way to look and see whether or not We might have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. This secret that I've been talking about is the dynamic of our hearts actually being able to see the truth and hear the truth and understand the truth. I'm going to start in Mark. Like I said, it's in three different Gospels, but Mark 1, 1 through 3. 
And Mark starts by saying, this is the beginning of the wonderful news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It starts with Isaiah the prophet who wrote, see, he's, he's quoting Isaiah, bringing it forward. Listen, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a thunderous voice of one who shouts in the wilderness. Prepare your hearts for the coming of the Lord Yahweh and clear a straight path inside your hearts for him. And this is actually another quote from Isaiah that's farther along in the chapter. We talked about chapter 5 and chapter 6, and this is, I think, in verse 40 or in chapter 40 of Isaiah. And so he's talking about John the Baptist brought to these people a word that said, look, y'all need to get ready because we see your hearts are not ready to see or hear or understand. But get, clear out all the dust. Get, your, get yourself positioned to be able to know this wonderful secret that's about to be on the horizon. And Mark 1, 14 through 15 says... Later on, after John the baptizer was arrested, Jesus went back into the region of Galilee and preached the wonderful gospel of God's kingdom realm. His message was this, at last, the fulfillment of the age has come. It's time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced to its fullness. Turn your lives back to God and put your trust in the hope-filled gospel. Again, we're being told you need to position yourself. You need to position yourself in a place for you to be able to experience what the gospel is. Turn your lives back and put your trust in. Now, when I look this, that phraseology up in the Greek, it literally gives a picture of a trust fall. You know what a trust fall is? where you close your eyes and you're trusting somebody and you just fall back into their arms. It's a, it's a trust fall back into a place of complete rest where there's no striving, there's no worrying, there's no fear. There's no wondering how, what I'm going to do the next day, how am I going to get what I need. It's a complete place of rest. So I would imagine that most of us are thinking, okay, I'm here. I've been a Christian for a while. Um, I, can, I can see, I can hear, I can understand. I, you know, I'm pretty well familiar with the Word of God. You know, I know that, you know, Jesus died on the cross, and he paid for my sins, and I'm going to heaven. Where are we going for lunch? Yeah? Okay, so most of us get to that place at some point, right? But what we don't realize is there's more to the story. And this is where the perceptions come in. I mean, I don't know. That might not be true of all y'all. But God has brought me back to this place of going back to this fundamental teaching so many times. And obviously, I do not have it right Obviously, there's problems in my sight and my vision and my understanding. So the big deal seems to be in our relationships with one another. I'm going to read a good bit of Scripture today, but 
honestly, I think Scripture speaks much better than any words I could ever find to say. Matthew five thirty-eight through 45 says, Your ancestors have also been taught. Take an eye in exchange for an eye, and a tooth in exchange for a tooth. However, I say to you, don't repay an evil act with another evil act. But whoever insults you by slapping you on the right cheek, turn the other one to him as well. If someone is determined to sue you for your coat, give him the shirt off of your back as a gift in return. And should people in authority take advantage of you, do more than what they demand. Learn to generously share what you have with those who ask you for help. And don't close your heart to one who comes to borrow from you. Your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbor and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemies, bless the ones that curse you, do something wonderful for the one who hates you, and respond to the very one who persecutes you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as a child of your heavenly Father. This is where I get to tell you why this is my testimony of faithfulness. Like I said, it was probably about 30 years ago when this first came up as, if I'm being honest, an argument between me and God. Because when somebody persecutes me, somebody talks badly about me, somebody's not fair to me, somebody discounts me, somebody rejects me. That's not fair, right? That's, that's not fair. That can't, be, that can't be right. I shouldn't, the answer to that should not be, if they smacked me on the left, give them the right side too. Or if they unjustly sued me, give them more than they asked for. Or if somebody is treating me like a, a, like a prisoner or a slave, Give them more than they want. That can't be right. But that's exactly what God says. And so that's when that, it became an argument between God and I. And I can tell you that all those years ago, although I'm embarrassed to say, I still don't have it right. But I have seen times where I said, all right, I'm going to do just what you said and you better show up. I mean, an attitude. Yeah, well, this red hair. Okay. I realize it's not real now, but it used to be real, redhead. And so there was a little bit of, uh, there was a little bit of uh, anger there. And I can tell you that every single time that I actually did what he said and submitted to his way, even when the attitude of my heart wasn't quite right about it, he showed up faithful. And what he showed up faithful with was peace and a finish to the situation much better than I could even have imagined. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12 says, Now this is the goal, to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness toward other believers. Let humility describe who you are. Dearly love one another. Never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly, nor insult those who insult you, but instead respond by speaking a blessing over them. Because a blessing is what God promised 
to give you. That's so difficult, is it not? Like I said, it's not fair. And I don't have to take that. And who does he think he is? And he's not acting like a Christian. Right? But that's what God says to do. And he brings that promise of peace and that place of healing. He shows up as Jehovah Rapha in that situation when we make that choice, that difficult choice, to respond the way he asks us to respond. This is that secret that I've been talking about, that the way our hearts are actually working, the way the state of our hearts actually, when we come across a situation where someone treats us unfairly. I want to see some hands. Has anybody ever been treated unfairly? Yes, yes, and if you don't raise your hand, you probably have a problem as a liar, too, because, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> I think we've all been treated unfairly. We've all been rejected. We've, that's happened to all of us. And it's all about the state of our heart that only God can see. It's not about what that other person says about us or what it looks like from the outside. These are not on the screen, but... The sweet, sweet thing, one of the so many sweet, sweet things about Jesus is that First, first Samuel sixteen seven says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And Jeremiah seventeen ten says, I, the Lord, search your heart and examine your mind to reward each person according to their conduct according to what their deeds deserves. So we know that likely we probably need to ponder on this, actually being able to see and hear and understand what the Word of God expects of us in each of these decisions. But what else are we missing? Do you think there's other things that we're missing too? I mean, that's a very fundamental thing that's in the Gospels where brand new Christians should start learning about this walk of Christianity, right? Later in Mark, Jesus and the disciples had been uh, just come from twice where Jesus had fed the 5,000 and the 4,000, right? He had done these miraculous things. These disciple guys were doing life with Jesus. They were They were making camp with him. They were helping him find a place to go to the bathroom. They were just all of the stuff of life. This was normal community they were in with Jesus. And so they were in a boat, and they were headed to the shore. As soon as they got to the shore, all these Pharisees came up and like a mob, like a a bunch of paparazzi, towards Jesus, and we're asking him to show them a sign. Do a magic trick for us. Show us a miracle. We want to see what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm sure there weren't cameras, but that's the picture I get in my, in my head. There's all these flashbulbs going off. And so instead of staying on the shore, they got back in the boat. And I'm sure that was a frustrating situation for both Jesus and the disciples to have to fend off though that group of, of paparazzi and all the people. 
And so Jesus started talking to the disciples in that moment about the disciples needing to be careful about the yeast or the leaven of the Pharisees. So he was talking to them about make sure that you guard your heart and your mind against getting all puffed up and thinking you know it all and lest you start acting like those Pharisees. And instead of knowing what Jesus was talking about, the disciples started thinking, what is he talking about this yeast? I mean, we brought some bread, but maybe it wasn't enough bread, or maybe he wanted some rye bread, or maybe I don't know what kind of bread he wanted. And then Jesus' response to that was in Mark 18, 17 through 21. Knowing that what they were thinking, Jesus said to them, Why all this fussing about forgetting to bring bread? Do you still not see or understand what I say to you? Are your hearts still hard? You have good eyes, yet you still don't see, and you have good ears, yet you still don't hear. Neither do you remember. When I multiplied the bread to feed more than 5,000, how many baskets of leftovers did you gather afterwards? And the disciples responded, 12. And when I multiplied food to feed over 4,000, how many large baskets full of leftovers did you gather afterwards? Seven, they replied. And Jesus finally said, then how is it that you still don't get it? You're living with me every day. You're seeing what I do. You're hearing me teach the parables. You're watching daily how I respond to situations, but yet you're still in all your thoughts and your reasoning and you, your eyes are not working and your ears are not working and your hearts are still not understanding. So this really puts me to thinking, Jesus, what are, what are all those things that I still don't get? I'm sure there's so many things and in his grace and mercy, he reveals them little by little. Then we go to Luke, and this, this is the, the parable of the sower, and I know that you've all heard it, but as we go through this, I want you to think about, just in your own heart and mind, um, where you might be or where you might have been at a certain time in your life, and how, how being in that place might have affected your ability to see or hear or understand. Luke 8, 15, or 5 through 15 says, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked what the parable meant, and he said, the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, and though hearing, 
they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Now, I want to stop just a second and tell you that that word saved there, we all think in our churchiana vocabulary that every time you see the word saved, that means ticket to heaven or ticket to hell, okay? The word here um, may have to do with that, but it literally means to turn around. And so I don't believe that this is talking about heaven or hell salvation because the, the word here is not sozo, which is the same for God so loved the world and he came, um, they came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It's a different word than that word saved. Okay? So this means to turn around, to go back to where you've been before. And in my thinking, if this means salvation, then that doesn't line up with other scripture. Because I think that once you're actually saved and in God's hands, or not, a, nobody can take you out of God's hands. All right. So, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in time of testing, they fall away. The seed that, that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, on their way they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So we have four different states of our hearts, of our minds, souls, and emotions. Some of them, all of them here, but there's various stages of actually, actually developing that ability to see and to hear and to understand and have the perception that brings about the peace of Jehovah Rapha. My prayer this morning is, as I have spoken this word to myself, because that's, that's usually where... That's usually where the words that, that, <laughs> that go the most deeply come from. My prayer is that we would all come to a place of knowing that there are areas in all of our lives where we're not seeing or hearing or understanding completely. And we all have a ways to go. And just the fact that we position ourselves in a place where we say, God, I need you to reveal truth because I realize that I'm not at that mature place. I don't care how many years you've been a Christian. There are still things that 
creep in, those, those thorns, those birds that come by to steal the seed, those, um, the rocky soil, the situations in life. As I was asking God how, what the end needed to be, I felt like, um, I felt like that he impressed upon me that I should ask each of you to just find somebody maybe that's next to you and just put your hand on their shoulder and let's have just a small prayer time of, of praying for one another that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand and that our hearts would be soft enough to allow God to break through that hard ground and where we would have good soil ready for whatever he wants to plant in our understanding. Okay. You don't have to if you don't want to, but um, I'm. But go ahead and stand up if you would, uh, if you're willing, and find somebody to pray with. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a little bit of time, and then we'll be done. Well, Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that your word brings about change in each of our lives. God, I do pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand, that you would bring about truth in each of us, Father, that the fruit that comes out of that, God, would be glorifying to you, Father, and a sweet-smelling savor to you. God, I ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would protect the word that has been placed in our hearts today. That you would make our hearts good and fallow ground. That we would have the grace, Father, to make the choice to water what we've heard today as as we read the word and as we spend time with you. I just pray, Father, that um, you would have your way in us. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name.